kneel before Zod. You can't go. All the plants are gonna die. I'm gonna take a bath. Bad dates. I'll alert the media. Boys, keep off the moors. It's evil. Don't touch it. The name's Pliskin. No more hangers. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in chronological order, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we're discussing Nightmare, aka Nightmare in a Damaged Brain, released October 23rd, 1981. It was written and directed by Romano Scavellini and released by 21st Century Film Corporation. Writer-director Scavellini based the stories on articles he'd read about psychiatric patients whose behavior was altered by psychotropic drugs. Prior to this film, his work had consisted mostly of hardcore pornography, hence the film's abundant nudity. Yeah. This movie was hard to watch. The working title was Dark Games. Tom Savini was on the set to advise the makeup effects, but has spent a lot of time since downplaying his involvement in the film at times flat out denying ever having been on set, but cast testimony and set photos suggest otherwise. Amazingly, two major studios, Warner Brothers and Universal, expressed an interest in distributing, but required major cuts, which Scavellini could not abide. So he settled for 21st Century Film Corporation, who gave it a limited release in the New York area with an X rating. I actually doubt that Warner Brothers and Universal were ever interested in this, but that's that's the official story. Audience members were provided a barf bag on their way into screenings. No surprise, the film landed in Section 1, the most extreme category of video nasties, and when the film was released uncut in the UK in flagrant disregard for the law, the distributor was literally sent to prison. Clips of the film are featured in the 2021 psychological horror film Censor, which was inspired by Mary Whitehouse and the whole video nasty debacle. We open in a dark bedroom. A sweaty man tosses and turns in sheets already stained with blood. He sits up and screams at the sight of a dismembered corpse at the foot of the bed, and the eyes of a disembodied head open. We cut to him screaming in a straitjacket at some facility, and a team of orderlies enter to administer a sedative injection and pills. The man goes back to sweating quietly. (laughs) There's so much. You can still hear it though. Yeah, there there is so much like silence and then sudden screaming. Silence and then sudden screaming. Yeah, I I just basically watched this thing almost on mute. Yeah, because and you just can't hear what they're saying. You can't hear anything they're saying because yeah. if you turn it up to the point which you understand them, your ears it, will bleed. It's gonna just break your speakers. Yeah. Also, uh, the opening titles start here, and it's a Goldmine production. I was like, hmm, how many films did Goldmine Productions make? <laughs> One. One. <laughs> it's like it's like you're asking for failure when you. It's like we're gonna make a million films productions. Yeah. <laughs> We cut to a living room where a girl is trying to watch the news but is annoyed by the screams of children in another room. When she gets to the room, the kids tell Kathy they thought they saw someone peeking in the window, but the dialogue is almost inaudible compared to the screaming a second ago, and it's clear from this shot that it is not nighttime, and the sun is shining brightly through the windows on the curtains as she pleads with the kids to go back to sleep. Now, they could have uh, a really obnoxious streetlight outside their window. Just put something in front of the window... To make it look Look vaguely like nighttime. Mm -hmm. She walks back downstairs and a POV watches her from outside the house. She hears a sound and heads outside and someone jumps down on her from a tree and we get an ear-blasting scream of the sweaty man again. Sometime later, police inspect the scene with guns drawn but don't find anything. 
Are we not supposed to know who did this? Does she not know what happened? Well, I know what happened. I know what happened too. Does the babysitter not know what happened? I guess she, because she was. Too she scared. called the police, right? She went back inside and called the police, or or neighbors who heard the screaming called the police. Anyway, inside, someone comforts Kathy, who I guess survived this attack, and one of the kids laughs at the crying babysitter because he did it. Yeah, he jumped down on her to scare her, or just sent the dummy over. Yeah, maybe. A title card says, The First Night, New York. The sweaty man dreams in POV of another man being tied to a bed by a woman in lingerie. The woman slaps the tied-down man until his nose is bleeding, and a young boy in a bow tie walks in on them. Suddenly, the woman is bleeding, and the tied-down man is horrified, and blood is shooting all over the room. And then we see more screaming in the straitjacket, which is interrupted with more screaming in bed. (laughs) I don't know why we have to keep cutting to him screaming in different places. We see a room full of televisions with the patient's face on, most of them. A screen in the middle notes a diagnosis of schizophrenia, mild amnesia, homicidal dream fixation, and seizures. The man in front of the screens smokes a pipe, I think, in the dark, and then for the rest of the movie he's got a cigar in his mouth. He's just credited as man with cigar. Mm -hmm. So do you recall the last time we had a child walk in on a gruesome scene with a man and a woman in bed? The boogeyman? Yeah. We cut to a small room and the patient enters and lights up a cigarette. He stares into a mirror and we see a team of doctors watching him from behind it. Another man steps into the room with the patient and we get more almost silent talking. The patient tells a psychologist about the dreams we've seen, though he mentions carrying a hatchet that we haven't seen directly so far. The man smoking a pipe in the control room reads the patient's file to have it transcribed again for some reason, even though it's clearly already written down, I guess just so that we can hear it. Yeah. We see the patient, Tatum, as he's referred to here, walking freely along the streets past marquees. The first marquee has two movies that we've covered. Did you catch the titles of these two movies? Oh, no, I didn't. I did not. Charlie Chan and the Curse of the Dragon Queen and Fade to Black. He then passes a theater with martial arts double feature Five Deadly Venoms and Street Fighter, which we haven't gotten to yet. Then a single screen theater with a billboard for something else we've covered. Did you guys see this? Caligula. Then he walks past a porn shop, and we can see a reflection of the marquee across the street with Jesus. two more films we've covered. Did you catch those? No. I didn't well, catch it'd be any. funny if you only caught those, because <laughs> they were really hard for me to figure out. They're both war movies. You want to guess? Uh, the Big Red One. That's one of them. Is it? Awesome. Um, Gallipoli. The other one has the word war in the title. Chariots of Fire. What? Has the word war in the title. <laughs> Harry's War. <laughs> That's, I would love it if I meant that when I said they're both war movies. But I didn't. Uh, let's see. I don't know. The Dogs of War. Uh, okay. The man reading his file over this whole shot says that Tatum has been fully cured of his psychotic episodes and they consider him completely rehabilitated. That guy should be fired. Yeah. Because, <laughs> well, whoever wrote the report, not necessarily the guy reading yeah, it. Because every time we've seen him in the facility, he's screaming, screaming. in his straight yeah. in his straitjacket. Like he's it's like he's and, obviously not violent. We have him tied up, and, and we keep and dumping sedatives him. into his mouth. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't killed anyone the whole time he's been in his locked in that room. <laughs> the last theater we see in this scene advertises one last film we've covered. Oh Did you catch that one? <laughs> no. Stir crazy. Tatum ducks into a porno theater with films we haven't covered. 
and heads downstairs. He watches a topless dancer in one of those pay window rooms yeah. where a quarter buys you a few seconds at a window, but weirdly there's no glass. Like normally yeah, I feel like you, there's you, glass. You yeah. can you can reach right in there and yeah. he does. I feel like you could just get infinite time by climbing through the window. <laughs> <laughs> if there's no glass. His money runs out quick, but while he watched the girl, he has flashbacks of a girl in bed with his father. He goes to another window show where he watches a girl masturbate with a vibrator while more visions from his past haunt him, including one shot of a headless neck spurting blood into the air like a fountain. He collapses in the booth beside the window, and we get a shot of the young boy from the past, a young Tatum presumably, smiling and holding a bloody axe. Do you recall the last time we had one of these uh, bloody heads? No, I was gonna say like nudie shows with the with the windows coming up and down. Uh, the first one I was thinking of was uh, Night of the Juggler. That's the one I was thinking of. But I think they're also in The Howling at the beginning. There's some porno theater stuff at the beginning of that movie. But I don't. It, that one's that one's just like a put a nickel in and get a dirty movie. Actually, you know what? You're right. Yeah. yeah. And even in cruising, they're they're paying to watch a projection. They're right. Not, the, yeah. o- the only one with the window going up and down, I think, is the because that's the, the one juggler. where Brolin actually goes into the room with yes, the girl and he yeah. tries to get her to t- tell him it's yeah. stuff. Yeah. They got my girl. Oh, yeah. you'll find another no, one. Daughter. Say, Say daughter. daughter. <laughs> Present day Tatum has a seizure and foams at the mouth on the floor of the porno booth. Another title card introduces the second day. I don't think we needed any of these. Yeah. I can tell when it turns from nighttime to daytime. I'm not confused about how (laughs) Earth functions. Why do the days matter? They don't. This isn't The Shining, dude. We see Tatum on a ferry leaving Manhattan. Do you guys recall the last time we saw a POV of a ferry leaving Manhattan? That that was my note. Oh, what do you got? (laughs) Permanent vacation. That's right. We cut to the corner office of that same psychiatrist who seems disturbed that Tatum is late to his appointment. Tatum steps into a phone booth and calls a house. Hello? A child answers and eventually Hello, hangs Dad? up when Tatum never answers him. CJ, who was that on the phone? I don't know. They didn't answer. Later we see, I think, the same woman arrive at a dock and hop on a boat where her boyfriend is waiting. We'll find out that she abandons her three children often. Yeah. <laughs> at the drop of a hat. Tatum is driving down a seaside road when his car dies. We cut to him in a bar called Gatsby's. In the parking lot, we see a woman named Barbara kiss her date goodnight and then drive home alone. When she gets home, she begins disrobing for a shower when her date calls to check on her. But the line cuts out just as she answers it. And when she kneels to inspect the cord, we see Tatum sneaking up behind her and slashing open her throat, which we see in a gruesome extreme close-up. Was he in her car? Yes. Okay. Okay. They did not make that clear, I don't think. Because Well, I think the fact that he's at her house immediately and that they were both at Gatsby's a second ago. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. But it And then feels, he steals her car later. It feels a little bit weird that we don't see him between Yes. The bar and here and I, he's, Yeah, he's, one simple shot of him behind her back as she's driving would have been fine. Yeah. I mean, there are, like, inside the car POVs from, like, the back seat, but it's not, like, a moving camera, right. really. Like, it, it doesn't feel like a POV shot. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and like, did he just climb into a random car hoping that it was hers? I think he would have done this to anybody. He just needed a car. Right, but if she's if they're leaving, leaving yeah. the bar, and he's following them, he wouldn't have an opportunity no, to No, I get... think he got in the car first. So, but he that implying that he just got into a random car. Yeah. Just okay. Hope it's a young pretty girl. I don't think it matters. He just no. needed a car. Tatum has more flashbacks of the woman in lingerie as he continues stabbing this girl. 
He sucks some of the blood off of his fingers, and we get a title for the third day. So that explains why the sky used to be dark, mm -hmm. and now it is full of lightness from sky beams. We see a couple flashes of the first woman's head opening its eyes again. Back at the facility that thought they cured him, the psychologist offers a half-assed apology to Pipe Man, who now has a cigar instead. Sorry! You lose a dangerously psychotic patient from a secret experimental drug program, and all you can say is, I'm sorry? The psych insists the man is not dangerous. We see the woman from the boat trip on the phone with her boyfriend again. Later, they are making out on a boat together, having left her children in the home alone. One of them, CJ, takes out the trash, and we see Tatum following the boy in a trench coat. Mom calls home to check on the kids and overhears a commotion when CJ returns from the chore, bleeding from the chest. Mom, is this you? Home. Stop screaming at me. I know I'm not home. <laughs> what? Eventually, she understands it's an emergency, and she tells her boyfriend to drive her home. CJ tells his siblings that he was stabbed. Instead of calling 911, the mom and boyfriend bust in and interrogate the kid while he bleeds out. It's like, you should have called 911 from the boat. Right? Yeah. What are you doing? Instead, you drove all the way here and now are asking him repeatedly, what happened? Yeah, really slowly. How are you doing? Just relax. We're here right now. Everything's going to be all right. Just lift your head up just a little bit. Okay. Now just tell me what happened. Just tell us what happened. What happened, CJ? How did you get like Man. this? Out by the street, he tried to kill me with a knife. What? It hurts. Oh, mommy, it hurts. Hey, it's okay, buddy. You're gonna Baby. be okay. The boyfriend starts digging through the layers of the kid's bloody shirt and then tastes some of the blood to confirm his suspicion that it was ketchup and the boy is faking it. Do you guys recall the last time we saw someone test blood by tasting it? Uh, like in a this, scene ago? Yeah. <laughs> Not in this movie. He wasn't testing it. He was just, mmm, blood. Love it. She does it twice. She touches the puddle and then licks it, and then later on touches another puddle and licks it again. Ugh. And both times she wipes the blood on her pants when she determines that, yes, it is blood. Oh, no, I don't, I don't know what movie that is. The Boogans. Uh. Mom is obviously furious about the prank. She orders CJ to his room overnight, and he's grounded. Cigar Man enters his office after hours in search of a file and looks through a list of appointments that Tatum has missed. Back at CJ the Grounded Kid's house, a friend is in the yard calling to him. He brought him some kind of a gift, but CJ says he can't come outside and to throw it up to him. I don't know what this gift is. Well, so, sorry, getting back to the scene of missing appointments. Yeah. It's only been the third day? Yeah. So... How has he missed five appointments? Yeah, exactly. How many appointments could he have possibly have missed? Yeah. Unless he was coming in every single yeah, we day. scheduled an appointment every 18 hours. Later, we see CJ's brother, Jim, studying math with the babysitter. She gets frustrated and puts them all to bed, and CJ's sister, Tammy, knocks on CJ's door to see what he's up to. Inside, it looks like CJ's making pipe bombs or something. Uh, man, uh, it like core memory was unlocked when... Uh, she's doing the flashcards it's like holy crap i remember those flashcards that's funny like i, I feel like flashcards are flashcards but yeah like the specific font and everything true, <laughs> <laughs> well i mean like I don't, I don't think there's been great strides in flashcard technology you'd be surprised uh but now just like AI, but they're just, all wrong <laughs> <laughs> seven plus two is eight <laughs> uh but anyway i just remember doing those types of flashcards with when i was a kid yeah <laughs> Oh, did you guys do flashcards? Yeah. Okay. The babysitter asks all the kids to go to sleep again. 
Would you leave your kids with a babysitter the same night one of them faked being stabbed to death by a stranger? Probably. <laughs> what about the day after their babysitter thought she was attacked by someone in the front yard? Well, I would just assume it was a different babysitter. Like, but it's not. It's yeah, Kathy the whole time. Yeah, exactly. How she got Kathy to come back again? This yeah. is this is like uh, uh, what's the the babysitter from Calvin and Hobbes? Ro- Ro- Rosaline. I didn't read those comics. Uh, no, Calvin and Hobbes. No, never heard uh, of it. The, there's they, they have he has the same. Maybe it's Rosalind. Uh, he has the same babysitter that yeah. comes back, but he he's continuously cruel and unbearable. But she keeps coming back. But this Kathy seems like she's like at the end of a rope at least. But I, I still don't think as the parent that I would be like, yeah, you had to call the police the other night and then my son pretended that he got murdered. So I'm going to put you in someone else's care so I can go make out with my boyfriend some more on a boat. The phone rings multiple times, but the caller never says anything. The babysitter checks CJ's room, but he manages to fake being asleep before she gets the door open. When she closes it again, he blows a raspberry and we get a little mischievous fluty jingle in the score. We see Tatum pull up to a beach at night and dig a body out of his trunk. This is the woman whose car he just stole. He hugs it in the sand and then screams to the heavens like he feels bad about it, I guess. There's some remorse going on here. I don't know. The babysitter goes to take a shower just as a shadow starts stalking the house from the outside. We get a mirror jump scare where she slides a medicine cabinet open. And then when she closes it, we notice an eight foot tall behemoth with glowing red eyes behind her. She screams and shoves him out of the bathroom. And we can see that CJ has actually built the top half of a man Mm -hmm. out of like, I guess this is the PVC pipe. He built like the framework of a human above himself so he can pretend to be the shape of an adult. And his face peeks out of the creature's chest. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo, stick your head and do, do. The fourth day. The next morning, CJ's mom tries to talk Kathy out of quitting her babysitter job, but she can't convince her. CJ's mom goes to a realtor about selling the house, and he says, it'll sell quick. This is a weird moment. Yeah. I don't know why we needed a realtor scene, <laughs> and we never come back to this. Yeah, I guess because we need a reason for her to take pictures of the house in order for notice the, the someone picture upstairs. scare. Yeah. yeah. Is that really the only reason? I guess that's the only reason. Like, I mean, I feel like you could have come up with any other reason. That, like, oh, just, we got to take our Christmas picture guys. Or, or even like CJ's prank broke a window. and needed to take a picture for the insurance or something. Yeah. I don't know. You're going to pack these kids up and go live on a boat with them. Yeah. They take photos in the front yard and they notice a man in an upstairs window of the picture they took. They search the house, but a POV watches their search from a closet that they don't bother checking. Yeah. <laughs> they decide they're imagining things. It's this instant film. Probably just a shadow on the emulsion. Did you ever see that Antonioni film blow up where he thinks he sees a murder in the photograph? He keeps blowing up bigger and bigger and bigger trying to see the yes, murder. Yes, yes. There's nothing in that picture. Yeah, there was a murderer in that picture. Yeah, that's, that's like... <laughs> and, and Terrible she, example. Yeah, exactly. She's like, yeah, okay, and there was no murder. He's like, no. No, there was a murderer. Yeah. And she's like super freaked out by that. Yeah. It's like, why were you telling her this story? <laughs> it's like in Dumb and Dumber when he's like, so what's, what, the guy gets away scot-free? No, they catch up with him about a half mile down the road, slit his throat. <laughs> <laughs> pull over, I gotta take a piss. <laughs> you crazy? I'm not gonna pull over now. We finally get a shot inside the closet and Tatum's in there sweating with a knife in his hand. Back at the lab he escaped, Cigar Man does a search for APBs on Tatum. The man with only one name, <laughs> though later we'll also add George to his name. But for right now, all of the computers just say Tatum, like mm-hmm. that's his full name. The search is coded eyes only. 
Do you guys recall the last report we saw that was coded eyes only? Yes. What was that? For your eyes only? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what about before that? <laughs> that I don't know. It had another James Bond in it. Was it Timothy Dalton? No. We haven't had a Timothy Dalton since Flash Gordon, I think. George Lazenby? <laughs> We covered any Lazenby movies? I also, I'm trying to think about other James Bonds. <laughs> Sean Connery. Roger. Roger. Uh, folks. No. Sea Wolves. Not in Folks or Sea Wolves. Shit. That's Roger Moore. That's, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> We've only had one Sean Connery movie, I think. Race the Titanic? No, that wasn't him either. No, that was Robards. <laughs> <laughs> what have we watched with him in it? Oh, uh, Outboard. <laughs> what the fuck? Outland. 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 God damn it. <laughs> Outboard. It's like a really slow version of Survivor. Well, I was going to say, like, that's a Freudian slip for, for your opinion of Outland. Yeah. <laughs> they get a hit on Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They also learn that a car was stolen and the owner is presumed dead because of lots of the victim's blood found at the scene. He also asks the computer to predict where he's going. And it gives him like percentages. Yeah, I was like, who are you asking? Like I get looking at like police records online, I get that. But then you're you're making you're having it some kind of some kind of computer system extrapolate yeah. potential. Based places on the fact that go. a car was a place and it is no longer at that place. Yeah. There's a ninety four percent chance that it's gonna be in this city. Yeah, Daytona Beach. How do you know that? Like why Daytona? But it's right. We cut on another needless scream to mom and the kids at the beach, and she's just freaking out because seagulls exist. <laughs> like, they just needed a loud sound to start the scene with. CJ notices the same man in a trench coat from when he took out the trash, but because the man didn't actually do anything to him, I don't know why he bothers to bring it up. He's just like, there's a guy! It's the same guy that I lied about yesterday! Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the mother's reaction here is still not great. Well, the mother's reaction is based on the boy who cried wolf situation. I get that. But if somebody says a man is following your child and she essentially just like beats him up and he runs away. Yeah. I would be like, fine, then sit your ass down here and don't go anywhere because you're not leaving my sight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's also weird. I mean, we'll come back to this at the end, but. That he's just like, hey, that's the stranger who was out there when I took the trash out. And he doesn't recognize this person. Because <laughs> it seems like maybe he should recognize this person. Maybe. I don't know. I have a lot of questions, yeah. again, coming into the ending. She assumes he's bullshitting her again, and maybe he is. I don't know. I don't know if this kid even recognizes the guy. Eventually, he convinces his mom's boyfriend to at least look at the guy. We cut to mom sleeping in bed while the sun is still brightly shining through the room, but apparently it's nighttime now and she's supposed to be asleep that night. She's woken by a phone call. Hello? I want you. Oh my god, I want you so bad. She tells the voice to stop talking and threatens to call the police before hanging up. The fifth day. Tatum calls the psychologist. The doctor calls him George, but for some reason all these files just say Tatum. Tatum has more flashbacks and foams at the mouth again and drops the phone. CJ rides a bike past a girl. Who is this girl? I don't know. He's just talking to a girl, and then she follows him to wherever he went and tries to find him in this abandoned house on the water. She instead encounters Tatum, who quickly kills her, and then the same thing happens to CJ's friend Tony, the boy who threw something into CJ's window the other night, 
And at this point, it sure looks like CJ and the killer are working together. Yeah. <laughs> because he's just standing outside like, hey, Tony, I'm out here now. And then Tony finds the dead girl in the house. And while he's freaking out from that, he gets attacked by Tatum also. And they're both dead now. Why is Tatum in here? I don't know. Like, Who is this girl? Yeah. Why did Tony come back into the story? What was that thing that he threw through the window? I don't know. It looked like like a pack of underwear or something. <laughs> it was like a little rectangular bag of something white. Was it just Coke? It was a bag just, of Coke. Did he just throw Coke <laughs> up old, to the kid? Old, here's the key. He just did a huge line, <laughs> and then he's like, all right, time to make a PVC skeleton. <laughs> Like I'm I thought it was motivated. Be, I thought it was going to be some ingredient for like a bomb or like something that he was working with when mm-hmm. he made this skeleton creature, but we never see what it is that he got. Is, was it the electronics? Just the the components for the eyes? It's just just yeah, let it go. Richard, you have to answer this for me. Go back in time and figure it out. <laughs> the kids are all screaming at each other later until they notice a police car has pulled up to the house. For some reason, mom brings the kids to the crime scene. And the child is asked to identify Tony's body and explain what happened. There's no way they'd put this kid through this. They're like, look, here's your dead friend who got murdered earlier today. Did you do this? Did you do this, CJ? Did you kill this boy? I, I guess they're trying to just, like, tough love, I guess. Like, did, did like, <laughs> as far as we know, CJ didn't even go in that house. Right. How did they link him to this crime? Of, of everyone in the world, why did they go... That kid who lies, I bet he murdered this kid and mm-hmm. this other girl. Did they even find the girl's body? I don't, I don't know if they find the girl. They never mention it. They only roll the little kid out. And I didn't know he was dead. I just thought he was, like, in shock. Yeah. They even go so far as to blame CJ for this without explanation. All CJ can manage to tell them is that he didn't kill Tony. The final day. Sorry, but there's still a half hour left in this movie <laughs> as the final day is starting. The cops find a car on the beach, probably Daytona Beach, according to the computer. It's the dead woman's car, which Tatum has now abandoned. We see Tatum wandering around the empty home of the central family, and he finds a pair of the mother's panties. CJ walks in the door and says, to nobody, by the way, (laughs) I guess to us, he says that the teacher sent him home because everyone thinks he killed Tony based on nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Stupid teacher sent me home. All of them think I killed Tony. CJ, you killed your classmate. Go home. <laughs> You're a terrible teacher. Tatum tries. Maybe a, maybe a little bit better than the one that yells at you when he hands out grades. Yeah. Mm. You got an F. <laughs> Go home. You killed Tony. B minus. Tatum tries to take his antipsychotic meds in the closet and spills them all over the shag carpet. And then CJ scoops them up and takes them all downstairs. He almost puts one in his mouth, too. It's just like, oh, maybe CJ will be less psychotic for the rest of the movie. But he doesn't take it. The phone rings, and it's Tatum calling from upstairs, urging the kid out of the house before he gives in to his urge to kill this boy. How did he call the house? I don't know. They must have two lines. <laughs> Ahead of the curve. Maybe he dialed and hung up really quick. <laughs> but light speed. <laughs> we cut to a plane landing, and a man greets the psychologist in an airport. Cigar Man is also here, but it looks like he didn't come down on the plane, so, like, he drove separate, and then yeah. he met the guy outside the airport? Well, the, there, there's also this long shot of them walking through the airport, talking inaudibly. Yeah, we can't hear it. But we hear the airport sounds of, like, people talking and airport announcements going on. Yeah, th- none of these scenes matter. This is all just filler. On the way to the town where the car was discovered, Cigar Man informs Paul the psychologist that what he thought this whole time was a psychotic murder dream 
was actually the memory of a real murder. Tatum actually killed his father's girlfriend, and it happened here in this town in the same house that he's stalking now. Back at the house, mom calls Kathy and begs her to come back and babysit more so she can go to a party with her boyfriend. She promises CJ won't be an asshole this time and offers 10 bucks an hour for a couple hours max. Okay, so this is the mom's mentality in that my kid's been accused of murder. Other children have been murdered. Other children have been murdered in Someone the area. Someone attacked my babysitter at my house. There, there has been photographic evidence that somebody, there's an intruder in my house. Yeah. I'm going to leave the kids home with a babysitter and go out to a party. Well, I don't want to get killed. Those kids can take the damage. Isn't this why she's selling her house? Because she's afraid to be That's here? what I thought. I when, when they first show her at the real estate agent, I was like, is she literally moving because she's worried about all everything that's been happening at the house? But I don't think she is. I think that's just, like you said, they just needed a reason for her to take a picture outside. And that was the, the least complicated thing mm. they could come up with. We cut to the party that night just as someone gets shoved into a pool. Back at the home, the kids are all asleep already. And Kathy goes around the house, closing all the windows and flicking off all the lights. She sits down to watch television when suddenly the door behind her seems to push open on its own. It squeaks surprisingly loudly, but she doesn't turn around to look. So she doesn't see the guy sneaking up on her. But it's like three feet behind her and it's going mm -hmm. as it's opening. I just wanted it to be perfectly in sync with the show that she's watching. Yeah. But when the man grabs her, they are quickly making out and it turns out this is her boyfriend, Joey. He carries her upstairs and then they fall into the carpet in front of a fireplace. They start undressing each other and a shadow stalks the house again. It moves inside and finds the teens fucking bare ass naked on the floor. In a house with three children that, that she's babysitting. She's just having sex in the middle of the living room. Do you remember the last time we were, had a couple having sex in the middle of the living room with people To asleep? all a good night? Uh, I was going to say the... Oh, God. Now I can't blink. I'm blinking on the film title oh, now. Oh, Endless Love? Endless Love. There you go. When they finish having sex, Joey lights up a joint and Kathy leaves to take a shower. The killer, wearing a strange bald and bearded mask, sneaks up behind Joey with a wire and chokes him to death while Kathy looks for him. When she realizes that this is not Joey standing in front of her, she assumes that it's CJ in another adult man costume, and when she grabs for the phone to complain to their mother, the killer buries an ice axe in her arm and she screams. She runs for the door and he stabs her three more times in the spine. CJ is awoken in time to see the third stab and runs to tell his siblings. Mom calls the house to check on the kids, none of whom believe CJ's bullshit. The killer answers the call but doesn't say anything to mom before hanging up again. CJ finds a gun while the killer chops open his bedroom door with the ice axe. When he reaches in to unlock the door through the hole that he cut, CJ shoots him in the hand and then the chest and then the chest again and then the chest again and then the chest one more time and the masked man finally goes down. What kind of a gun is this? <laughs> I don't understand why it's taking so many shots. Is this the gun from Duck Hunt? Are you shooting him with lasers? The masked man finally goes down. CJ rushes his siblings out the door and out of the house while the killer impossibly scrambles to his feet upstairs. On the way out, CJ tries to call his mother back and manages to shoot the killer in the chest another time. The kids all run outside, but CJ can still hear the killer screaming, so he heads back inside with the gun. He's a pretty good shot. Yeah, he I is. mean, like he—he's—he's he's very confident he, with the gun too. He, he's like, like, like six for six, right? Yeah, 
While he creeps around the house, the killer manages to sneak up behind him, and CJ realizes he's out of bullets. He ducks into a room for a shotgun and steps back into the hall to shoot the masked man one final time. Why are there so many guns in this house? Loaded guns. Just hanging <laughs> on the walls. Accessible by children who we know cannot be trusted. And the first one he gets like in a bedroom, right? Was that his yeah. mom's bedroom? Yeah. Not only are they accessible, but he wields them with confidence. Yeah. <laughs> Just before he pulls the trigger, the man in the mask pleads with him by name somehow. <laughs> And the killer falls down the stairs, and we cut back to the past and Kid Tatum walking up the stairs to find a woman slapping his dad in bed. He retrieves an axe and then sneaks back up into the room and takes a couple whacks at her neck, eventually chopping the head clean off. Then he climbs up on the bed and takes about 15 more swings at the woman's decapitated corpse while his father screams at him to stop. Then he pulls the axe back up and buries it in the middle of his father's forehead. Blood gushes from the man's face like a bath faucet, and then the blood-soaked George slowly walks across the room and sits in a chair. The psychologist and cigar man skid up to the house just as the bodies are being removed. When they take off the killer's mask, the mom starts screaming that this was her husband, the father of the three children who live here. And the psychologist did not know that... He, he had, had a, wife a wife and kids and three kids and that he had a house that he lived in. He yeah. just walked in and said, I'm George Tatum and I had a dream that I killed my father and his girlfriend, but I'm not the George Tatum from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, who did kill his father and his father's girlfriend. I'm not that guy. I'm a different guy. I have no other information to give you about myself. Check me in and cure me. And they were like, put on this jacket for three days and then you can go. This movie's bad. What was this facility that he went to? I, I, I assumed that he had been there since he was a child, because he clearly murdered a person, and w- like I guess we don't know if he was caught. Yeah. So, so I, I think the movie wants us to think that he's been there the whole time. So that's why it's supposed to be a surprise that he is the father of these children. So, so George George Tatum's story is he killed. I mean, presumably a not his mother. We're right. assuming the woman is not his mother. Right. Uh, but then kills the woman and then his father and then escapes and then lives a or, life. Uh, he's a child, so they're like, oh, we're not going to press charges against a child. Like, what? Or, or they assume what? that he's, had he's young. He's very but, young. He's but, not like life but, in prison young. He might have gone. But you don't just let him go. He clearly murdered two people. Yeah, but he could say, oh, I thought she was hurting him and I killed her and then my dad jumped and attacked me and so I killed him. I I guess. uh, I'm just trying to give the child murderers an alibi. Yeah. This is what you tell the police, kids, after you murder me. (laughs) But so, okay, so say that's what happened. He, He killed his father and his father's girlfriend and he was too young for them to make like an mm-hmm. adult charge stick. So maybe he did a few years in some kind of juvenile detention and he went and saw a psychiatrist for a while and eventually they decided he was fine. As an adult, he goes, he meets a woman. Mm-hmm. He has three kids. He's a normal enough person to have three kids yeah. with another human. And then maybe he starts having these dreams and he goes and he says, I need to get evaluated. I need to talk to a psychiatrist. I'm going to go to New York where the best psychiatrists are. Or, or maybe he's been killing people this whole time maybe. in secret. Yeah, we don't know. But so he goes to this place. How long has he been there? I think it's been only a few days according to the titles. 
I, I thought. Did that. he just get there at the beginning of the of the movie? Oh well, I guess maybe not. Maybe he was there for a little while, but because his son doesn't recognize him, like he instead of saying that strange guy in a trench coat outside watched me take out the trash, I would have said dad watched me take okay, out the so trash because dad is here for some reason fair so that means that it's been years right yeah. it must have been at least 10 years well but he, when he, he sits down with the psychologist it's like he's telling him the story for the first time yeah it's like you you've been here for nine years and 360 days and you haven't said shit and then you were like by the way i have a dream that i killed some people gotta go that's why i've been screaming for the last decade right in my room and then some psychologist said, oh, you're fine. Good to yeah. go. He's clearly fine. Let him go. But again, it's a catch they, and release program. They they have no, he came in off the streets. And so they have no idea who he is. Yeah. Like they can't. And, and the mom never filed. Right. Or maybe she filed for divorce. Yeah. What is the, what does the wife think happened? Does she think her husband is checked into a facility in New York? Or did they get divorced? And she, she says, care? that's my husband, not my ex-husband. Yeah. Um, I get that someone might say that in that yeah. situation, but it's just weird that the kids don't know where dad went, mm-hmm. apparently, because otherwise they would be like- They're not asking. Yeah, and they've never seen a photograph of him. Like, they don't know what their dad looks like because their dad's been hanging around their house for weeks. I don't know. This movie's very strange. Dumb. Yeah, it's terrible. The motto of the psychologist is- if you love a patient, set them free. <laughs> and if they commit more murders, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> what do we think on this one? I think it's a big thumbs down. It's, it's pretty terrible. Yeah, it's I mean, it's got some fun kills, but the story makes no sense. I, uh, I don't even particularly like the kills. It's graphic. It's gruesome. And it's, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing good about this yeah. one. It, it lost me at, at child death. And in child death, that's not funny. Like in the... the you know what's weird <laughs> is that Dead okay Kids... It's okay if I can laugh at Dead yeah. Kids. Dead Kids is a better title for this movie than yeah. it is for the last one. Well, like the, the kid who got um with the, the mirror, with the evil mirror. Yeah, the Boogans? It, no, no, no. The Boogeyman. The Boogeyman. The Boogeyman, Where the yeah. kid gets like caught up in the window because that, that was <laughs> like, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this is just like, this is a tragic kid yeah. death. Um, and we don't even know what happened to Tony. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we, we skipped over something at the end where CJ's in a police car. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I didn't actually finish reading my notes here. They just assumed that he was joking about the father and woman that he killed and released him on his own recognizance. And then he tried to kill the rest of his family, but his son killed him first. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened at the end of the story. Um. And now we get a shot of what looks like CJ in the back of a police car, like he's being arrested for this murder. Like, is he getting arrested for killing his dad? Well, I, I, I you do. He does need to be questioned because he did fire seven rounds from two yeah, different weapons. But this is like a situation where they would put the kid in an ambulance with his mom mm. and take him somewhere for questioning. They wouldn't put him in the back, like lock him right. in the back of a police car and drive him to the station by himself. And he seems to think it's funny. Well, he I, smiles and winks at the camera. Well, I think it's because they keep they keep flashing back, but back and forth between young Tatum and then him, young Tatum and him. That that he's going to inheriting now, this murderous yeah, spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it like a Chucky situation? Did his dad's soul go into his body? I just think it's just just genetics. Like he's he his father suffered a trauma as a child that forever 
changed him and now he's suffered a trauma as a child that will well, forever change him but the trauma that he suffered was self-inflicted because he chopped yeah. a woman's head off well yeah. they were both traumas of self-defense he thought he was saving his dad and then he thought he was murdering his dad <laughs> very quickly <laughs> and after he that. was <laughs> and he was correct and this kid also thought he was saving his siblings and then also murdering his dad yeah but he didn't know he was murdering his dad until after his dad was dead but it just seems weird that the police would be like, all right, big him away, toys. Like, this kid <laughs> this kid murdered his father. And it's like, well, no. Like, all of the siblings saw that this guy came into the house and was trying yeah. to attack them. And he killed, like, two other teenagers before. And clearly, like, you know, they, they have to draw a connection to Tony and the other girl. Yeah. Uh, so, but I guess just keep him in the cop car so he's safe? Question mark? I guess that's what's happening. I don't know. He's the only person who needs to be safe at this crime scene. Keep the other kids in the house that keeps getting attacked. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's the end of this film. But I, I do give it a thumbs down. I'll say it's a thumbs yeah, down. thumbs down. Three thumbs downs? Yeah, definite thumbs down. What are we thinking letterboxed for this one? This one was pretty awful in all regards. I have it at 145 out of 147. Okay. It is below secondhand hearts and above private lessons. <laughs> I have it at 145. <laughs> you really? Yeah, um, but mine is below gas and above hardly working. <laughs> below gas. That's rough. <laughs> to be fair, I have gas at the bottom still. I thought you were going to say, I to be fair, gas, gas rises. <laughs> no, but yeah, har- hardly working is beneath this. Yeah. If, if that gives you my impression of hardly working. I have it in 129, which is just under an eye for an eye and just above Honky Tonk Freeway. Honky Tonk Freeway was way better than this. Maybe. <laughs> I'm leaving it where it is. Honky Tonk Freeway has Jessica Tandy in it. Yeah. She is way better than this. Yeah, maybe if we'd seen her boobs or something. Oh, Jesus. She gets attacked by lions. <laughs> That's true. She does. In an upside down car, no Yeah, less. come on. That's so much better than this. No. <laughs> He's made his choice. No, I did not like Honky Tonk Freeway. You don't, uh, the town yeah, was but you don't have to like it. You just have to like it a little bit better than Nightmare. Yeah, and I don't. I'd rather watch Nightmare again than watch Honky Tonk Freeway again Ugh. if you gave me both of them. Okay. You're wrong. <laughs> no, I'm right. I'm just wrong. What? Our director here was Romano Scavellini. I don't recognize much else on his IMDb, but he also directed something called Dog Tags, which will come up later in the credits. The music here was from Jack Eric Williams. Just this. The cinematography here was from Giovanni Fiore Coltolacci. This was his first DP gig, and later he's a camera operator on Popeye from last season, and a second unit DP on Adventures of Baron Munchausen down the line. The editor here was Robert T. Meganson, who was the writer of FX with credits on the sequels and series. For FX, F slash X. The other editor is Jim Markovic, who has an editorial credit on Zombie Holocaust, and he was a producer of Sleepaway Camp 4. The original editor was fired early in the project, but went on to a successful career directing with his brother Ethan Cohen. Because he was Joel Cohen. They are the Cohen brothers. One of the Cohen brothers was the original editor who got fired off of this movie. Uh, acting credits we have Baird Stafford who played George Tatum he's also in Dog Tags and that's the only credit that I recognized for this entire movie 
nobody else worked in any other movies that this or stuff that i could not recognize or didn't have posters or had any connections to anything but this director brought this actor back for one other film that's all i can do for cast wow. i think that's everything for nightmare if you have any thoughts you'd like to share, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Letterboxd, where, as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. We also have a Discord. You can join the 24-7 movie chat and share your thoughts on episodes past, present, and future at VintageVideoPodcast.com slash Discord. And if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. What's that sound? We got one! That's right. It's a new patron, DJ Padzenski. As a patron, DJ now has access to 39 full-size 70s reviews and 40 minisodes, as well as a hand in choosing next month's film. Right now, our $5 patrons are choosing between the following 11 titles. Coffee, a Jack Hill exploitation film about a nurse, played by Pam Greer, taking vigilante justice against inner-city drug dealers who kidnapped her sister. It also stars Booker Bradshaw, Robert Doqui, and Sid Haig. The Day of the Jackal. Fred Zinnemann's political thriller about an assassin hired to kill French President Charles de Gaulle, starring Edward Fox, Alan Badel, Tony Britton, and Cyril Cusack. Emperor of the North, or Emperor of the North yeah. Pole, Robert Aldrich's gritty action film about a battle of wills between a train-hopping hobo and a sadistic conductor during the Great Depression, starring Lee Marvin, Ernest Borgnine, and Keith Carradine. Extreme Close-Up a Jeannot Swark drama about technology, privacy, and voyeurism, starring Jim McMullen, Catherine Woodville, and Al Checo. The Herod Experiment, Ted Post's romantic drama about a college experiment that encourages students to explore their sexualities and open relationships. Hitler, The Last Ten Days, Ennio De Concini's biographical drama about the end of Hitler's life, starring Alec Guinness in the titular role. Lady Whirlwind, a.k.a. Deep Thrust, Huang Feng's martial arts film about a female fighter avenging her sister's rape and murder, starring Chang Yu, Angela Mao, Pai Ying, and Oh Kyung Ah. The Offense, Sidney Lumet's neo-noir drama about a burnt-out British detective interrogating a suspect in a child molestation case, starring Sean Connery, Trevor Howard, and Vivian Merchant. Paper Moon, Peter Bogdanovich's comedy drama about a Depression-era Kansas con man and his estranged daughter, played by real-life father-daughter team Ryan and Tatum O'Neill, for which Tatum was awarded an Oscar at the age of 10. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, Sam Peckinpah Western, about the clashings of lawman Pat Garrett and famed outlaw Billy the Kid, starring James Coburn, Chris Christopherson, Bob Dylan, and Jason Robards. And finally, Sweet Jesus Preacher Man, a Henning Schellerup exploitation action film about a hitman who goes undercover as a Baptist preacher, starring Roger E. Mosley, William Smith, and Michael Pataki, each of which celebrate their 50th anniversaries in the month of May. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing The Pit, which IMDb describes like so. A solitary and strange preteen boy wreaks revenge on his harassers when he makes a disturbing discovery in the depths of a forest. We leave you now with the trailer for The Pit.
to go sometime. a huge hole in the ground and at the bottom of the hole down in the dark there's some things no one else in the whole world knows about them but you she's pretty really pretty well oh, then she's, she's just, just what we've been waiting, waiting for isn't she <laughs> I'm Donna. And I'm Stephanie. And we are the hosts and creators of Explain It Me, a comedy show where one of us tells the entire plot of a confusing-ass movie to the other one. And the only other rule is that we have to be inebriated to get through it. So come along on this journey and laugh at us as we make a whole bunch of mistakes as well as slowly destroy our bodies. Find us on any and all platforms where you listen to your podcasts. And remember, I definitely got that actor's name wrong because I'm drunk, not because I don't know. 